Welcome to Voices of a Highway, a podcast for, with, and about the incredible people that live and work along Beaufort Highway. Beaufort Highway is a 10-mile corridor in Atlanta, Georgia that crosses three counties and three major cities and is home to more than 1,000 immigrant-owned businesses. Known as the International Corridor of the Southeast, Beaufort Highway stands as a culturally diverse and nuanced locality with over 100,000 people that belong to communities from different parts of the world. Stick around as we delve deeper into the lived experience of this episode's guest. Gracias. May is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, a space to honor, respect, and learn from and about Asian Americans and their place and impact in the history of the United States of America. It is also a time to ensure that these voices are heard and welcomed, not as monoliths, but as nuanced and unique stories, testimonies, and influences of today. Our guest today is Nicole Kang, a second-generation Korean-American artist. Her styles and subjects vary widely and delve into love, loss, womanhood, and her heritage. Nicole is best known for her paintings, illustrations, and murals around the metro Atlanta area. She lives with her husband, daughter, and dog, Otis, who I know about (laughs) in Gwinnett (laughs) County. I'm super excited to have Nicole over. Nicole and I met recently through our project and work with the Atlanta Regional Commission, and her style is is amazing and I love her outfits and she's just incredible and I'm really excited so hi Nicole hey thanks so much for having me and I have to say Natalia has also really great fashion sense so I wish you guys could see her (laughs) I just find that I don't know you have this very distinct energy and you have this very distinct passion for um for your art and and more than your art for community. And I think the way that we met working on a project for Buford Highway Communities was just so inspiring to see you bring all of your skills and all of your assets into this project and really, you know, talk about uh, your heritage. And I know when we went to tour Buford Highway, you were just so excited about being in this space and about being in contact with Asian communities. And so I wanna start off by getting to know you a little better. Uh, a little bit about where you grew up, how you got to Atlanta. And I know that you mentioned in previous times that you enjoy Buford Highway. So what is your connection to all of those? Yeah, so I was actually born in California. Um, So my dad is 1.5 generations. So he immigrated to the United States when he was in middle school. And then he grew up, went to University of Southern California. And then on a business trip overseas in Korea, he met my mother. And they quickly decided to get married. So she immigrated um, to have this marriage with my dad. And so um, they settled in California. And then she got a little bit homesick. So after having me, we went back to Korea for a few years. And the education system is really difficult there. Um, so she was just like, let's move back to the United States for our family. So um, we came back to California and she had created many more siblings for me. So I'm the oldest of four. Um, And then we just kept traveling around. So we're not, we don't have any ties to the army or anything like that. I think that's the first question many people ask me. It's just that my dad just really had to find a job that was secure and financially stable for our family. And that was kind of a journey for him. And I know that was a really difficult thing. Um, So like I've lived in many different places. Like I've lived in Washington state. I've lived in Tennessee. I've lived in Virginia. Virginia and like North Carolina. And then um, around high school, we ended up in Georgia. And what I just really loved about Georgia was its diversity. It just made me feel very comfortable. 
Um, I had already become adaptable, but just seeing a lot of people that look like me, it was just a little bit like a, it's, it was a breath of fresh air for me. So I attended Oglethorpe University, which is actually in Brookhaven nearby Beaufort Highway. Mm -hmm. And my family kept moving and I was like, this is where I'm going to stay. So ever since then, I've been here. I've been here for over a decade. I feel like an ATLian. I love Atlanta so much. And I'm so proud to be um, a Korean American in Atlanta because I think Atlanta really embraces diversity. And I just feel like places like Beaufort Highway and Gwinnett County just really shine. And we have a lot to offer. So yeah, when I am excited, I am excited. Like I am very enthusiastic about all of us and all the things that we're doing and all the things that are happening. And I know We Love Buford Highway is just instrumental in all of that. Um, So my connection truly is just like my enthusiasm and love for the diversity in our communities. And it makes so much sense. You know, if you think about how you were raised, just moving around so much and always having to come to a new school. And and I know that I was raised in a similar way, just moving around a lot. And so I think that that culture of coming into a new place and just having to adapt and having to make friends, I think that is in a lot of ways similar to what some immigrant communities may experience mm-hmm. and, you know, coming to a new place and it's, you start connecting through food, you know, common things that you like and, oh, I have this thing, I have a similar whatever. And suddenly you just start creating community. And I do agree that Atlanta is such a good space for that. And, and I feel the same way, just being here, it, it really feels like it's so diverse. So it feels like home. And I, I know it's also a really big um, city for art and for artists. And so I'd love to hear a little more about you know your art and how it centers API voices I know that you also engage with ideas of love and loss and and motherhood and womanhood how do all of these components in your art connect to API voices or your own heritage yeah so I have loved art since I was a child and so my mother was actually really encouraging and supportive of me since I was really little she found it very fascinating that I would just spend so many hours just doodling and so I I just always have had this really strong connection with my art and my mom. Those two things are very synonymous for me. And so um, throughout all of these different um, phases in our lives as a family, um, it took the biggest toll on her health. Um, I think a lot of immigrant families know this, like the mother is the one who kind of shields everybody and keeps the family centered and going. And my mom was absolutely that for our family. And it just, the expense was her health. And um, it's, it's a devastating part of my history. She was who, like, I center my identity in her. And my mother is also the person who kind of connected me to Korea. So, like, my understanding of Korea has always been told from her. And so it's, like, secondhand knowledge. And when I lost her, I felt like I lost that connection. And so a lot of my art subjects are, it features her. And it honors her life and kind of her sacrifices that she made so that I can live a more comfortable life. And also, it's also like my attempt at kind of reaching and reconnecting with my ancestry. So it's always been exploring different parts of that. So some paintings will focus a lot on like the changes in a woman's body, you know, through pregnancy and things like that. And another painting would be a portrait of my mom. 
But I feel like all of these things are connected, but I was showing them in separate spaces. Mm -hmm. And then when I became a mom myself, I just felt like all of these things did relate that all my intersecting identities um, mm -hmm. can be represented in a single piece of artwork. So it's been a really interesting growth for me as an artist, but I think my focus um, and find, I found really my voice um, after the spa shootings, mm -hmm. it happened so nearby, it happened so near Buford Highway too, and just kind of, it was so chilling knowing that there was um, a targeted attack on people, on women who looked like me, my daughter and my mother, right? I was so angry. It was anger. It was just um, a lot of frustration and all of these things that I think I feel like I buried deep within me. A lot of, um, I don't know, like microaggressions that I feel like we've allowed, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's just kind of all brought to the surface. And I just made a lot of these statements and I was having a lot more conversations with people where I was like, we can't be quiet anymore. Like, I, mm -hmm. I'm sick of this model minority myth. Like, we have okay. to be loud and proud and we have to take up space. And I think yeah. that was, people were paying attention. I didn't realize it. I, I was just talking about my frustrations and really my fear for my daughter to have to live through something like this. And I don't want her to. So like, how do I put my foot down and say, this is not going to happen anymore. And what just really happened from that were I developed all these really important relationships through the art community, through the Asian community. Yeah, I feel like I'm still finding my voice, but I feel like my purpose as an artist has become a lot more focused since mm -hmm. then. I, I remember seeing you have a, I think it's a series of nine miniature paintings on motherhood. Mm -hmm. And I, they're so beautiful. And, and I feel like hearing this context and hearing more about your mother and the motherland, I feel like they're all just so connected and intertwined and intersecting. Yeah. And it's so beautiful to think of creation and what art can do. And I think that's something that your art is trying to do is how do you understand loss and loss in terms of people that have been killed, people that have died because they were sick, thinking of all the loss of COVID and thinking of the loss of, you know, leaving your country and, and what you lose when you become an immigrant and how do you create something with that, whether it's art, whether it's motherhood, whether it's community. Um, mm -hmm. I think those two go so hand in hand and they're, and it's beautiful. And I think that that shows in your art a lot. So thank, thank you for you. sharing that. That, that was yeah, so beautiful. of course. <laughs> I know that you have recently, you've had a ton of projects and a ton of engagement and, you know, you've been moving around and doing all these things. You have a coloring book, you participating in a coloring book for kids, uh, the ABCs of APIs. And I believe it's still showing in the Beltline. Um, yes. So tell us a little bit about this project. The context I will give is that Nicole is really into like, coloring things for kids like when we were working together every time there was like an, an opportunity for a child activity she was so excited so I know you did this coloring book so tell me a little bit about this this project and, and what it means what it means to you yeah I think coloring books are so great because I think it's accessible it's universal it's fun like it doesn't have to have a lot of words but so um, Asian American Advocacy Fund received a large grant and basically, they handpicked um, this community organizer. Her name is KB Vu. And they were like, figure something out for this. 
And so she basically got a bunch of Asian American artists together and was like, what should we do? Like, I want to make something like a positive social impact through this grant. And we were thinking about a mural, but murals are really beautiful, but it's just not as far of a reach, right? So we were collaborating and we thought about this idea of a coloring book. And so we decided on ABCs of AAPI. So each letter represents um, a significant Asian American. Um, or like, I think N is for not your model minority myth. Um, okay. So just like these nuances of what it's like to be an Asian American. Man, I was so excited. Like I'm always excited, but I was so excited. <laughs> Just thinking about my daughter having a coloring book and she can open it up and see people that looks like her mom, her dad, like having that representation is going to shape her future in such a positive way. I didn't have that. And it's such a privilege to be at a point where I can create that for future generations. So our, some of the artists got to choose some of the letters and I chose K for Michelle Kwan, who was like my idol. Oh my gosh, legendary <laughs> person. And then I chose um, Vera Wang. And so I illustrated these two pages and some of these illustrations were also converted into like, um, like they wrap the Beltline fence. Um, so it's available for view, I think until the end of June. Um, so if you are local to Atlanta, go check it out. But yeah, so it's, you know, we did get that like public aspect of it. And then it mm -hmm. also is, you know, students and children and families have a copy in their hands too. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just been a huge privilege. We've gotten a lot of press over it too. Um, we got mm -hmm. to talk about it at Spanx. We were just featured on the Kelly Clarkson show. I mean, it's just been a whirlwind and just so great that like people are paying attention. Like, I think that's the most important thing. What I also want people to understand is that when we are asking for people to pay attention, it's not to take away attention from other communities. It's just that we've had a lack of representation this whole time. We've always been here. Mm -hmm. So I just hope that it's correcting an imbalance is what's going mm -hmm. on. Yeah, I just is, I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I think it's important, you know, a country like the United States that has so many cultures and so many minorities. And there's this theory or this principle um, of minority pride. And a lot of critical race theorists argue that the, the negative side of that is that it pushes us all into these little pockets you know, we're all in our corners being proud of who we are and our minority mm -hmm. and group and, you know, Asian Americans or Latinos. And, and we never come together. And, you know, that works for white supremacy and that works for higher powers. And so I think it's important to come into these spaces and, and collaborate. And a lot of my excitement working with the Atlanta Regional Commission was seeing, you know, Asians and Black people and brown people like collaborating and being together in, in a group and just thinking creatively together. And I think that's, we need more of that. And, and that's our hope in having people like you come to the podcast. So I'm glad that you brought that up because we need yeah. to say it more. <laughs> Because I think we all bring different experiences and there are so many similarities, but like what we're really getting, the outcome is that like when we have so much diversity of backgrounds and histories, like it's just strengthening everyone all together, mm -hmm. like as a whole. 
Like, for example, this is it's, it's be, this is just fresh on my mind because I just read a book about this. But my dog is like a super mutt, right? He has all sorts of DNAs and breeds in him. And I think that's what makes him super healthy and indestructible. Like he's so healthy. I mean, and that's what it is. Like you just the combination of all of these backgrounds make him so strong. I love this so much. I think he's going to live to 200. I'm a little worried. Oh, that's beautiful. I feel like I've heard very funny stories about Otis, but now it all makes sense. I mean, he's so diverse. It's just, he's so special. Oh, that's amazing. So you're a mother for Otis, and you're also a mother to Vera. She was named after Vera Wang, which explains your passion for fashion. <laughs> so I just want to hear more about, especially after hearing this, this context that we started off with, your interest in motherhood and how that sort of is incorporated to your art. You know, as a mother to a young girl who has Korean American heritage, what do you want to impart or sort of give to your daughter? What message do you want to give her about her Korean American heritage? Um, yeah. How do you see that, that very important relationship in your life? And, and what do you want her to carry with her? You know, after losing my mother, I have just been obsessively thinking about my relationship to my mom and just like, you know, after her life, how much she has meant to me and still means to me. And so I just want to foster a really healthy relationship with her, my daughter, and anything that like my mom had to sacrifice and go through, like I'm not having to go through some of those things because she shielded me from a lot of those things, right? Mm -hmm. And in the same way, whatever suffering that I've had to endure, I absolutely do not want her to go through the same things. Like I know suffering is inevitable. Like hardship is inevitable. I think it makes us better. But like the things that are not necessary, like enduring racism or anything like that, I just want that to be very minimal and insignificant in her life. I want her to be able to walk in a space and not be so hyper aware of her differences, but really be more confident in, you know, recognizing and conveying her strengths. Mm -hmm. Um, I really struggled with that as a child. I think I took up a lot of apologetic space. Mm. I um, was more comfortable not being noticed. You know, even in school, right? Like we're reading texts that don't represent us. I never felt connected to anything. Like I've always felt like an outsider and I always want Vera to feel like she belongs. And I know that's a big initiative for We Love Buford Highway. And I just think like that is a sense of like feeling that immigrants, as soon as, you know, we get here, like we want to feel a sense of belonging. And so I don't want her to struggle with that. So mm -hmm. like, that's what I want for her. And so my husband and I are always actively making sure that we are um, equipping her with things to make her feel a little bit more present, a little bit more confident. I just... But at the same time, we want her to be very humble and we want her to be kind. So it's going to be a struggle. I mean, we're still figuring these things out ourselves. We're not saying that we know the answers to any of these things, but that's just what we imagine for our future, right? Like, I don't think yeah. we're going to be so focused on our differences, but hopefully in the future, you know, the generations forward that like they're able to just focus on their strengths. 
the combination mm-hmm. of strengths, the ability to collaborate, you know, just, I mean, that's my vision of a beautiful world. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. what we're trying to work on. That's wonderful. You know, it's so inevitable to think as women to, to really obsess in a, in a good way, but obsess with who our mothers are. And when you become a woman and when you become an adult, you sort of go back and, and think of all these things that your mom said or did or mm-hmm. expressed. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you're just like, oh my gosh, like my mother was like a whole woman dealing with her things. And now yeah. I'm a whole woman and I'm in this world. And, and it's just really powerful. I I've mentioned this before in like another podcast, but like, I'm actually very like, I think naturally, I'm a very fearful person. But like after facing my biggest fear, which was losing my mother, that was like, you know, she had cancer. So like, we had always that was our biggest fear, right when she was Mm -hmm. diagnosed. And then like, kind of my biggest fear coming to reality, I feel like I've had to step up as the oldest sister and help my dad taking care of my young sisters, my sisters and I are almost decade apart and then my youngest Mm -hmm. sister and I are 14 years apart so it's not like a normal sister relationship I really felt like a caregiver and just kind of like being burdened more responsibility than the normal Mm -hmm. I guess you know my peers I've just learned to become more brave and I feel like it was a learned thing for me I learned um trait but I'm really grateful for it after college A lot of my friends took on really big jobs and internships and things like that. And I always felt left behind. Mm. And I used to think of these things all like all of my experiences as a disadvantage, like I was being set back. But I just feel like it's sharpened my character. And I think we see this a lot with our immigrant parents too, like the grit, the strength, Mm -hmm. the resilience that we all carry. It's kind of um, an unspoken commonality that we all share Mm -hmm. motherhood brought that out of me motherhood also gave me a renewed sense of purpose and when I was able to think outside of myself and think like oh okay my art is not just going to be like self-serving it's going to be potentially what I leave my daughter with like I feel Mm -hmm. like motherhood Mm -hmm. has just made me a sharper person a better artist hopefully a better friend whatever else I think it's just enhanced those qualities and aspects in my life that's so beautiful. This makes me want, want to like go have a child right now. <laughs> I absolutely love thinking now of your daughter, right? When she's older and maybe when you're no longer in this world, she can look back at this art and, and see, you know, this is what my mother was seeing or feeling at this moment. And that's so beautiful. It gives me goosebumps because I think it's, it's so important and art is really important. And the message that art gives and shares to the world is important. So with that, who are some of your favorite artists that inspire you today? They can be API voices or not, but just some artists that have sort of guided you in this process of a lifetime for you. My art king is Ai Weiwei. Oh my gosh, he is the badass, the bad boy of the art world. And like, for me, that was when I first realized like his art is so charged with activism and advocacy. And I had not really seen that before, like in a way that really affected me. Like it like Mm -hmm. pierced my heart when I saw him trashing Chinese artifacts. I was like, oh my God, like, what is he doing? But then the statement, like what he was standing for, just like a big middle finger to literal middle fingers to the government, to Mm -hmm. systems that are in place because they are Mm -hmm. oppressive. When I think about him, I'm just like blown away. Like he is the king, absolute king. So if you don't know who Ai Weiwei is, please look him up. 
And then just like recently, like I've just been really excited by all these women who are coming out and just being like, just defying all of these stereotypes. Ali Wong for me, I mean, she conveys some powerful messages about the experience of being a woman of color, about motherhood in the funniest, most graphic, offensive way. And I love her for that. I also love Lizzo, like just her body positivity. And you are not it just, saying Lizzo right now. I, I became obsessed with Lizzo like 48 hours ago. 48 <laughs> hours ago? I've been obsessed with her for years. I braved Music Midtown just for her. And it was a horrible experience, Music Midtown itself, but Lizzo was amazing. I love people who are just so unafraid to talk about these things that are in such a beautiful, hilarious, and in an artful way, right? Yeah. I think Ali Wong doing comedy, it's not just humor. Like she is conveying some powerful messages and stories. Lizzo coming out, wearing things that I feel like big bodies don't normally wear. Man, I'm just like, I'm gonna wear whatever I want because she can wear whatever she wants, yes. you know? Like that's just the type of people that like really inspire me. So. I mean, those are my heroes. Yes, oh, those are beautiful. And it's so important, maybe as a as a connection to the last uh, question, the older I get and the more I expose myself to women and to powerful artists and to people that are just unapologetically living their truths and being who they are, the more I think back to when I was like 12 and 13 and I was struggling and I yeah. was uncomfortable in my body and I thought that I needed to you know restrict myself and, and hate myself and that that's the way that I was going to succeed and, and be desired and, and do well in life and so now I feel like I have access to all of these amazing artists and activists and just women that they're doing so many amazing things and it makes me so happy that I'm living right now and that I can sort of undo all of that and just be with women and people that just empower me and make me feel like, yes, I'm going to wear that because I can and I love myself. And it's so it's so healing and it's so beautiful to think of, you know, what what Vera is going to have when she's older. Um, yeah, so exactly. <laughs> and being able to communicate those things artfully, I think, is just another like oh man, like I'm just, I'm so moved by that, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that all of these people have these things now as a resource. Somebody has somebody to look up to. I love that. Mm -hmm. oh, it's so beautiful. Okay, so we have our final question of the interview um, related to Buford Highway. We always ask our interviewees to tell us two of their favorite Buford Highway places, and they can be absolutely anything. It can be a restaurant, it can be a store, it can be a park, it can be a tree. We don't care. We just want to hear what those places for you. It could be a tree. I don't think I've paid attention to a lot of trees. Because like my husband and I really try to hit up all of the spaces on Buford Highway. I think we go to Northeast Plaza a lot. It, Sweet Hut used to be, I mean, Sweet Hut is very popular, but like they were kind of like what brought Boba on the map, I feel like, in Atlanta. So I always have to thank them for that. Yeah, during like my college years too, it was just like my escape. So I have a very special spot in my heart for Northeast Plaza. I also love Plaza Fiesta and I like all the booths that sell beaded bracelets because that's where I get my jewelry. <laughs> I go to the booths and I'm always looking for jewelry and like I can't, I speak very limited Spanish and then the booth vendors, they don't, they speak limited English. So it's so funny when I'm asking them like how much it is and like we're just <laughs> 
Okay. Like, <laughs> but that's what makes it so fun too, you that's know? Beautiful. Oh, I actually bought, I'm going to show you, I'm wearing them. I bought these shoes at Plaza Fiesta the other day. Oh my gosh. They're so cute. Yeah. And they're like 20 bucks. <laughs> those are the two major, I mean, those are major, major points. I also, um, Stone Bowl House is um, a Korean restaurant and it's gotten a lot of publicity, but like I know the owners like through people and all that, but like Tim and I had our, um, what is it? The wedding rehearsal there. And then we had our daughter's first birthday there. So if you guys are looking for good food, that's a good, great place because you'll get bibimbap like literally in a stone bowl. It's like this big and then it's everything sizzling. Yeah, it's really great. Oh, that sounds so good. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for talking to me. I'm so excited about the fact that you're in this podcast. But beyond that, I'm just so happy that you are receiving all this love and all this attention, that your art is receiving a lot of attention. You are honestly such a pleasure to be around. And you light up every room that you walk into. And I'm so happy that oh we got gosh. to talk about um, it. It's true, though. And, and even hearing now, the sort of the things that you think about as an artist, I think they, they're so powerful, and they resonate with a lot of the things that I think about. So I'm just really excited that we got to know and work together and know each other. Because it makes me excited that we live in the same city and we can work yeah. and collaborate and create things it's been yeah i mean like honestly working on the we love buford highway project through alma has changed me like i'm it's just reshaped my thinking and like we love buford highway like what i loved was like you guys really put those people first like buford highway community members first and like you really prioritize their experiences and like their perspective and you don't compromise that. So like, that was such a learning thing for me. I feel like we're always learning to kind of negotiate and quiet people down. Um, not intentionally, but I feel like it's like a thing, right? So like, I appreciate all the work that you're doing. You're such a force. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I love Buford Highway. And like, Aww. we're going to just have to stay friends. Like you have no choice. I think it's just, it, there's no other way. <laughs> there's no other way. Well, thank you, Nicole. Thank you for listening to this episode of Voices of a Highway. If you enjoyed it, please share it with those around you. And if you'd like to learn more about the work that we do, find us on social media at We Love Buhai, that is B-U-H-I, or head to our website, welovebuhai.org. See you next time.